once I was lost. And growing up, I grew up in Wisconsin. I was just in Wisconsin. Do you know where that state is? And we, ever since I was a baby, would go up north, northern Wisconsin, to a lake one week every summer to spend time on a lake. My mom's family, we all went up. So one summer when I was in high school, I brought my bike. We went biking. And I went mountain biking. I went exploring. I wanted to find out where this this road went. It was just an old logging road, just two tracks through the woods, and it was along a river called Lost Creek, and it's a very good name for this story because um, Lost Creek, um, I always like to say after I was there seeing it, that it's now found, it needs a new name, but still named Lost Creek. So I was out exploring, finding out what's around the next bend, lost in my thoughts, lost in the adventure. And back at the cabin, the cottage, um, the family began to wonder, where is he? What is going on? Is he okay? And of course, um, they knew I was on this exploration, but they wondered. So as I was riding along, suddenly behind me comes my grandpa in his gray Jeep Cherokee driving down those two tracks of a road, and he came looking for me, and he found me, and he took me home. And that is wonderful, because I've been on many bike rides, but I don't remember 99% of them. But I remember that bike ride because my grandpa came looking for me and found me. And I remember mostly the feeling of being looked for, the feeling of being wanted, the feeling of being brought back. And so I hope that as you hear that funny story, you can think of a story in your own life, some people who have went looking for you, some grandparents or parents or teachers or friends or somebody has come looking for you. And the feeling that is when you're found. Well, we are in this series about parables, Jesus' parables, and a parable is simply a little story Jesus gives that has some insight into what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so today we have this real short one from Luke chapter 15 and the lost sheep parable. And the lost sheep parable actually comes in a series of three parables. There's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the two lost sons. And you can read them together in a group but focusing today on the sheep. And in this, there is an invitation. Jesus is there with a crowd around him, and he gives them an invitation. He asks this question, what kind of shepherd are you? So Jesus starts out. Here's how it begins. He, Luke sets up the setting. He says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. So that's group number one people listening to Jesus. Then there's another group. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. So there's the second group, which is the muttering group. They're not listening, they're muttering. And they're saying things like, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. To respond to these two groups, Jesus tells the parable. And the invitation of what kind of shepherd are you? And he says, you know, 
He puts them in actually in a predicament. He puts them in a pickle. They have to answer the way he wants them to answer. Because he says, look, if you have 100 sheep and one gets lost, won't you go looking for it? And the right answer is, yes, good, good. Yes, it is, yes, you, you would go looking for the one. It's, it's important to you. It's, it's precious, this lost sheep. It has value. But in that predicament of saying yes, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees are upset because they don't want to be associated with the shepherds. They aren't good people in society at that time. They are the lawless ones. They're the rough-around-the-edges ones. So for the teachers of the laws to have to say, yes, we would do that, puts them in a little bit of a spot, in a pickle. And Jesus forces them into that corner. Of course you'd go find that sheep. Now, the other thing is that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they want to be in control. And by putting the shepherd there as the the one Jesus pushes them toward, They don't want to be the shepherd, so they're forced to be like the sheep. So we have these sheep in this story. And in the thinking about what kind of shepherd are you, we all want to think about being the shepherd, the one in control, the one doing stuff. But we don't necessarily want to think about being the sheep. The Pharisees, they didn't want to be the sheep because you know what's true of sheep? They're dumb. They... Sheep cannot exist without the shepherd protecting them, guiding them with a stick, taking them to water, taking them to food, protecting and sheltering and caring for them. Sheep exist only by the hand of the shepherd. So when Jesus pushes us to consider what kind of sheep are we, a second question, you know, we all want to think about being the shepherd, the one in control, but now we have to think about What kind of sheep am I? And this is interesting because there's two groups of sheep in the parable. There are the 99 and the one lost sheep. So as you hear this, this morning, you're thinking about the sheep. And you're thinking, well, sheep are animals. How does this apply to me? That is true. We are humans, and we have another layer of ability. Maybe maybe we're rational. We do irrational things, but maybe we can think things through into the future. Maybe we're a lot like sheep, but we're also different than sheep because as people, we can decide, we can choose. So there's a participation for our life with God. So when Jesus gives us parable, it's an invitation for us to think about our lives with God using this, this image, these sheep. So we're thinking about our lives as sheep. Now, when you think about being sheep in the parable for yourself today, which group did you want to fit into? The 99 or the lost sheep? Was there one that was drawing you? And then, as you think about that, as a human, it's a little bit different. Because, again, sheep are dumb. They are shepherded with a stick. And shepherding is done to them. But as a human, with choice and volition, rational, how does God shepherd us? I don't think he's using a stick. 
So how does that work for us? And how is our participation with God in the shepherding process work? So you think about this. You can be a sheep in the 99. You can be a sheep that's lost. But you have two choices in either category. You can be actively a 99 sheep, or you can be a passive 99 sheep. Or you can be an active lost sheep or a passive lost sheep. So thinking about 99, if that was a place that you resonated with, like, yes, I'm in the group, I'm here. Are you active in your group membership as Jesus' sheep? What does that even mean, to be active in being shepherded by God? You know, perhaps being active simply means that you are participating. You are putting energy toward. You are putting yourself in places near the shepherd. You're staying close to the shepherd. When the shepherd walks over here, you go with the shepherd. You take volitional activity to be part of what the shepherd is doing. And maybe, not just focus on the shepherd, but focusing on the other sheep. Maybe active means you're loving the other sheep, engaging with them, maybe doing life together with them. Maybe with those sheep, you are believing the best about them because they're part of your group. And if you take it one step further, maybe even the sheep that are out there, not a part of your group, you also actively try to think the best of them out there. You try to see the good. And when things aren't good, you try to work through that to continue seeing the good, to maybe begin seeing what your shepherd sees in them out there. So you take an active participation as a 99. Maybe that means you're in the group and you are active, you are participating, you're staying near the shepherd. But what does it mean to be passive as a 99 sheep? I mean, what would it look like if you're passive in the group? What kind of attitudes would you have? What activities would you do? And what does it mean to be passive? Because it's possible that you're part of the group, you're in, but you're not happy to be there. And so you complain. Or maybe you have a pride that you're part of the group. And you look down on others who aren't a part of the group. Maybe this passivity is a resistance to the shepherd, that you don't follow wherever the shepherd goes, but you kind of wait and dawdle until the mass of the group goes. Then you go along. Maybe you need the stick to keep you going. You're passive. You're not putting energy toward this. There's this cultural thing going on these days with our phones, maybe you've done this, where you doom scroll. Have you doom scrolled? You're just doing a passive activity, scrolling, letting this thing do something to you. So you're being entertained. Maybe it makes you laugh and you're doom scrolling. Maybe it makes you angry, which is super fun <laughs> to be a part of that, and it gets you worked up. It makes your blood pump. I mean, you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to go for a run, but still made you, you know, excited. But doom scrolling, this thing that does something to us, but we're passive in it. We're just sitting 
and it's being done to us. And in some way, it's taking us over. It's taking our thoughts over. It's putting thoughts in our mind. It's guiding our conversations we have with others. So this is passive activity. You're in the group, but you're not really doing much to contribute to others. You're just kind of taking and receiving. I've been wondering, what would be the opposite of doom scrolling? And perhaps it'd be God scrolling because we're at church. You know, you need to God scroll somehow, which historically has actually been called meditation, where you are putting God's words, God's thoughts into your mind and letting those things fill your mind. Now, the problem is that's active because it takes work to get those words into your mind. It takes work to, to do these things of sitting quietly and still and, and letting God work in you and speak through those words to you. There's an activity level required versus passive, it's just done to you in the doom scrolling. There's an activeness. Well, you can think about being the 99. You can think about being active or passive, considering in this parable, this invitation, you know, what kind of sheep are you? Now we can talk about the lost sheep. You know, this lost sheep, we don't know what happened. I mean, sheep just wander away, right? Like, I don't have a lot of personal experience with sheep, but perhaps the sheep was just following a butterfly and got away from the group, got stuck in some thorns, and couldn't get away, right? This is sheep stuff. But what is it for us humans to be sheep that are lost? You know, what has happened to us? What what has taken us away? I mean, again, we can think about this as an active thing or a passive thing. A, a passive being lost or an active being lost. So if you're actively lost, you are perhaps running from God or anything that even just smells of God. You're just running away from it, getting away. Or you're actively pursuing something else, knowingly going in a different direction than what would be God's way in life. So you are actively getting away. And I think it's interesting because sometimes we like to also blame God for not taking hold of us when we are actively running away. You've heard this story, I'm sure. I don't think this is true, but it's a good story. That there was a guy, there was a flood happening and the people went door to door and said, hey, you know, the river's rising, the rains are coming, there's a flood, you need to leave your home, you need to evacuate. And the guy says, oh, thank you for the information. God will take care of me. Of course, what happens next? The waters rise. Now, a neighbor's driving his boat and says, hey, hop in my boat and I will get you out of here and take you to safety. And the guy again says, no. God is going to take care of me. Finally, the guy's on top of his house, and the floodwaters are rising, and a helicopter comes to rescue the guy. And what does the guy say? No, thank you. God is going to take care of me. And then, of course, the guy meets God in heaven and says, God, why didn't you save me? And what did God say? I tried. I sent your neighbor knocking on your door, sent your neighbor in a boat. I even sent the government with a helicopter. And you said no. How else do you want me to come along and help you? 
think in that story, which is so great, is our silliness of resistance. That we are lost because we get an idea in our head. We've gone down this path so far that we can't imagine turning back. But you know what? It's just one decision to turn back. I mean, you could have gone a lot of choices that got you there, but now one decision can turn back and move you back and not be lost. Be returned to the 99, the complete 100. More predicament, though, is being lost and passive. Passive in that you don't know you're lost. It's it's not a thing in your mind. You're not aware of God's presence in this world in your life. You're not aware that you're lost and that lost means you're separated from God, that you don't have relationship with your creator who knows you and loves you. So this separation is the lost. And in that passive place, you're just living your life doing whatever you do, not knowing. It's passive. But the great hope in this parable that Jesus gave is that God is pursuing. God is coming after. God is coming after us, pursuing us. And so if you are in a lost spot today and you're associating yourself with the lost sheep, passive activity of it, perhaps you can simply turn your attention to God and say, God, do you see me? And let God take the rest from there. And if you're actively lost, perhaps, again, it's that one decision to turn back and to turn to God and say, God, I know you see me. I've been one of the 99. Bring me back. Turn me back. I skipped a major section by Craig Blomberg, if I can get that slide. Craig Blomberg, very appreciated person around here, wrote a great book about parables. And just to celebrate this short parable, here's three points of what this parable is about. First, Blomberg says, just as the shepherd goes out of their way to search diligently for their lost possessions, so God takes the initiative to go to great lengths to seek and save lost sinners. I mean, this is the whole point. God is pursuing us. God is going after us. God is shepherding us. God isn't waiting around for us to think of something. God is coming toward us, and that gives me great hope. Second point of what this parable is about is just as the discovery of the lost sheep elicits great joy, so the salvation of lost men and women is a cause for celebration. And I love this about this parable, the celebration that happens when the one lost sheep is brought home. And it is, it's fantastic to think about how God is celebrating in heaven over this lost one come home. And that celebration doesn't stop. That is like an ongoing forever celebration. It's not like God says, oh, found you, got you, put you in the pile, you're done. It is a find you and then keep coming after you and holding you. And when you wander away, bringing you back.
when you decide to go away actively, wooing you home. Third, just as the existence of the 99 sheep affords no excuse for not searching for what is lost, those who profess to be God's people can never be satisfied that their numbers are sufficiently great so as to stop trying to save more. And this is where it moves from celebrating that God has found me to turning outward and saying, wow, God, you want to find others. How can I join you in the search? How can I join you in spreading love, of making you known, of pointing to you so that people's attention will be pointed to you? This is our participation in it. First, God finds us, and then we get to be part of the search team going out and finding others. The greatest thing about my grandpa driving his gray Jeep Cherokee down the two-track road is the feeling of being looked for and found and brought home. And I, I love that. But what is even greater, if that is a human life experience, what is even greater is this God experience that the God of the universe, the one who created it all, the one who sustains it all, the one who keeps it all held together, is coming searching for me and for you. And when God brings you into the fold, when you're adopted into the family of God, the great celebration begins. That goes on into all eternity, celebrating your participation in the kingdom of heaven. And so we celebrate. And I invite you to consider this parable the rest of this week, to think about what sheep, what kind of sheep are you? Where do you fit? Where do you need to call out to God and say, thank you for celebrating over me? Thank you for bringing me back when I've been wandering. Thank you for paying attention to me. But then also turning outward to say, God, how can I now join you? How can I participate in spreading your love to make you known here so that others who don't know you will know you? Some who may have been in the 99, who've wandered away, might be brought home and welcomed in. What kind of attitude can I have toward my workmates, the people I see, my family? What kind of attitude can I have that is this open arms welcoming of people in to know God and be loved by God? To wrap up today, something we've done before is to use this body prayer that I learned from a guy named Phil Anderson. And in this body prayer, I'm going to invite you to do it in a moment if you'd like, but it's four steps. First step is we, you simply will stand, you'll let go, and you'll demonstrate with your body that activity in silence, just letting go whatever you're holding on to today. And then... We'll shift to second position, which is being filled up, putting our arms up like a funnel, letting God fill us up, nourishing our souls for the things of our day. And then the third is to take it in, to give yourself a hug from God, 
to know that this is for you. That God sees you, knows you, knows your name, knows the number of hairs on your head today and tomorrow. God knows you, it's for you. And then finally, the last position is arms open wide to spread that love, to share what you've been filled with, with others. Just like this parable is saying, wouldn't you go look for the lost sheep? Of course you would. Of course, when you've been filled up by God, you would share that. So I invite you, if you will, to stand and to body pray with me. So first, you can bend over and let go of whatever you need to let go. There's something that you've picked up in wandering and being distracted and getting lost. Set it down and let it go. And then you can put your arms in the air like a giant funnel. Don't bump your neighbor in the face. And just be filled up by God. God, thank you for filling us up. Ah, filled with love so that we can love. And then, third, give yourself a God hug and know that this is for you. Take it in. God knows the details in your story this morning. He knows your week ahead, and he's got you. And then last, we spread our arms, definitely not bonking our neighbors, <laughs> and spreading what we've been filled with to all the people that we interact with this week. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.